Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Wow, buddy! You look healthy and happy. Veterinary surgeon and natural pet food pioneer John Burns knows the positive impact a natural diet has on our beloved pets. That's why he developed Burns Pet Nutrition. Hmm. Maybe I should try some of your pet food myself. Okay, okay. I'll start with a salad. For natural, no nasty, wholesome recipes, choose Burns Pet Nutrition. Available from veterinary clinics and all good pet shops across Ireland. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. He seemed fairly relaxed, fairly uh, knowledgeable of the whole court's system, as you'd expect. Very, very, very at ease. Prosecutor is asking for a, you know, eight and a half year jail sentence on on full conviction, which which is a long time in prison for a, a 70 year old man. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs, and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. Irish gangster John Gilligan managed to smile for the cameras this week after appearing in a Spanish court on drug charges. The trial of the 70-year-old gangster was put back until next April after his son Darren failed to show up and the court heard he'd failed to reach an agreement on the sentence he will accept from state prosecutors. Journalist Jared Cousins was in the court to witness the antics of the ageing criminal and his co-accused, which include his girlfriend Sharon Oliver and his long-term associate, Fat Tony Armstrong. He tells me how Gilligan choreographed his court outing to look confident and carefree, despite facing a possible lengthy jail term. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. So, Ger, how is John Gilligan looking? John Gilligan, well, <laughs> I discovered today was wearing the same suit that he'd worn in 2016. I hadn't picked up on that one, but he he I, he's not someone I've met in person before. But he 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 seemed fairly relaxed, fairly uh, knowledgeable of the whole courts system, as you'd expect. Mm. Very, very, very at ease. Yeah, he managed to smile for the cameras. I saw. Yeah, slightly strange behaviour. When he first appeared on the scene, because I was obviously observing this from across the road and saw that the when the photographer tried to start taking pictures of him, he was tipped off by his friend, uh, Mr Armstrong, that there was uh, there were paparazzi around and there were photographers around and his instinctive reaction was to cover his face with a little uh, plastic folder he had with him. 
then they went off for breakfast and when he came out of of the cafe where they'd had breakfast he was uh he decided just to to let his face be seen and uh from that moment on uh, didn't make any attempt to cover cover himself up until afterwards when he came out again and again when he came out of the court building his initial instinctive reaction was to cover his face having had his picture taken as he walked into court so slightly odd it's very strange. That sort of show face, though, the smiling and the, you know, the blasé attitude is is really his M.O. He likes to be seen like that by the media. I've been in court with him before. And funny enough that you should say it the same thing. He initially covers himself and then he goes, oh, no, hang on a second. I'll have a bit of fun here. Um, but he's... He's doing okay for a guy that was arrested and and we saw the video of him being arrested in in October, I think it was, 2020. He's still out on bail. He's obviously still enjoying the Spanish sun and he's feeling pretty confident about this uh, case against him. Yeah, I mean, you know, a prosecutor in the initial indictment or in the indictment that's been presented in front of the courts is asking for a, you know, eight and a half year jail sentence on on full conviction, which, which is a long time in prison for a 70-year-old man, but I think he knows and, and probably the, the state prosecutor is acutely aware that the chances of him getting that sort of sentence are, are you know, it's fairly remote. There's a deal on the table, um, I believe, of, of three years, which is actually only, despite some reports in Ireland today, is actually only for the, uh, on conviction of the one charge, which would, would be exporting of the illegal uh, drugs. And that's the state prosecutor coming down on her original uh, prison request of or prison demand of four years. In, uh, but but that was that was rejected by the by the various defence lawyers yesterday on the basis that that they see those three years as as as, as you know too um, too long a stretch as as well. That um, they want to take it out of what they want to do is I think they just want to get rid entirely of this um, charge of membership of an organised gang. Because if they can persuade the state prosecutor to do away with that and not, um, then I think that the illegal drugs charge could be reduced further. The, the punishment could be um, reduced further down to a question of months. It's kind of like a poker game now at the moment then between the lawyers and the prosecutor and people trying to, you know, somebody looking for the, the top end of the scale, the eight years. Gilligan's obviously looking to spend very little time, if none, in prison. And this sort of... Deals will be will continue behind the scenes, but maybe go back to October 2020 and John Gilligan, who had been released here in Ireland in 2013, um, to huge publicity, had then been shot and quite lucky to survive that, had left the country. The last image we have of him was in a wheelchair, being wheeled out of the hospital and looking very poorly um, and had sort of returned for his final showdown with the Criminal Assets Bureau and then showed up in Spain in handcuffs. I mean, when you thought he'd made his into his retirement. But what happened back then in October 2020? Well, that that, that arrest was a culmination of, of, of a fairly long-running police investigation, um, which, you know, would have involved the usual phone taps, car follows uh, by, by a specialist police unit. And they, they went in, uh, they said at the time, just as, as the suspects were allegedly preparing a... Uh, another courier delivery to to Ireland. So he spent the next two months in jail, but got out in time for Christmas that year. And as you say, has since be, been a free man. I mean, he's he's uh, had his passport um, taken away from him for a long period of that of time, but looks as if he's about to get it back so he can 
go back to the UK with his with his partner for medical reasons, um, and has yeah still got the threat of a long jail sentence hanging over him. But I think that threat is going to be receding as, as as time drags on. Let's see mm. what happens in April if if the trial goes ahead or if there's a further delay. You can just never really tell. But the slight problem is there's so many lawyers involved. There's five lawyers for for the nine uh, for the nine suspects, and they've all got their own their own caseloads, uh, you know. And it's it's just very complicated to, to for them to to get into the one courtroom and, and proceed with trial um, at the same time. But nonetheless, when the police did uh, visit him, shall we say, in October 2020 in a, a, a property in Torre Vieca, which has long been associated with the Gilligan uh, family and possibly would call it the organisation out there in Spain, they discovered this sort of almost like a wholesaling factory, which was packaging up Zimo, which are these little tablets that they sell on the streets for certainly about a euro here. And they were posting them back to Ireland and possibly into the UK. It was some sort of a drug dealing business that uh, was operating through the mail service. Uh, but they also found a gun, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, the the, the, the police at the time, you know, it was, it was, it was a... a, a headline making arrest because um obviously apart from the the pills and the and the and the cannabis resin um which Gilligan and his and his uh you know and the other suspects were allegedly exporting um this weapon was found which uh at the time the police referred to uh or, or said could be the same make and model as a as a gun used to used to kill the journalist Veronica Girin in nineteen ninety six the Spanish police have never officially said, never officially come back and said, no, actually, it's not the gun. There's just been silence from the Spanish police. I know in Ireland it, it was it was quickly refuted and um, said not to be the gun, um, but nothing of that sort has ever has ever been said in Spain. But there seems to be, there's a lot of confusion over the over the actual gun itself. The police have said it's one make. The prosecutors in a written indictment have said it's another make, uh, and I think. Balance of probabilities, it would appear, amazingly, <laughs> that on the written document it's actually gone down wrong. Uh, nice. And it is the gun that the, or is it the weapon that the police have, have said, although it appears to turn out to be a, an air pistol. Um, but there is, again, debate over the fact that it was going to be used, it could be used as a, as a gun. There were bullets found nearby, for instance. And obviously that gun that was used to murder Veronica Guerin was never found. It was a Colt pistol. Uh, understood to be anyway. And when Gilligan was arrested in Spain that time, this firearm was found buried outside his house. I know initially speculation here was he's hardly have kept it so close by to him for so long. And then, you know, he is a, a twisted little character and many thought, well, maybe he did. Maybe he kept it as a souvenir. Um, but the Irish police just, I think, were just cynical that he would have held it so close and within his own properties. Um, but it was a curious element of it. Nonetheless, he was arrested there and obviously was deemed to be a serious enough criminal for the Spanish to put a special unit on him at the time. Swept up in the arrests, the nine defendants that you talk about were his son, Darren, his uh, partner, who's an English lady, I think her son, and a criminal by the name of Fat Tony Armstrong, who's been on the go for a long time and who was at one point qu questioned by Spanish police in relation to the disappearance of the criminals known as the Westies, who were later found buried in a uh, warehouse in Alicante. Um, 
Now, Fat Tony Armstrong has been on the go and the last I heard of him, which was a couple of years ago, he was squatting around Alicante, but he's obviously still making a shilling and still very friendly with Gilligan. Yeah, as I say, they turned up together at court yesterday. In fact, I think Gilligan uh, uh, probably drove to court with his, with his, um, as you say, British girlfriend, but they didn't go into court together. They didn't have breakfast together. Um, the first sight we, you know, uh, we got of Gilligan was was when he turned up with with uh, Tony by his side. Tony and surprisingly, Tony's teenage son who went into court with him despite being a minor, which I thought was a bit right. odd. Um, but uh, but yeah, those the, the, they went for breakfast uh, together and, and then walked into court together and, and seemed to be very very pally. I mean, they're kind of old codgers now, aren't they, compared to some of the younger types that we would be writing about, and I'm sure that you see around the the Costa del Sol. Um, They're really, like, should be in retirement at this stage. Yeah, 70 years old, you would would like to think, you you know, (laughs) it'd have moved on by now, but um, it's, yeah, I suppose, you know, comes from a certain background and it's maybe all he's known. I mean, he, he did so many years in, in prison in Ireland. Um, he was acquitted of the much more, of the, of the very serious charge of murder, but still still was sentenced to 28 years, uh, which I think was reduced on, on appeal on the, on the drugs trafficking charge. So he is, or he certainly was a, um, you know, a big time criminal and, and is still very much on, on, the, on, the, on the radar of, of, of police. Mm, because, I mean, look, Let's be honest about it. There's quite a few criminal gangs operating down around that part of the world. And, you know, the the south coast of Spain has attracted, um, you know, mobs from all over Europe and elsewhere. So for them to be targeted like that, there's obviously um, either a reason or maybe there's a little bit of a, you know, is he is he uh, because of his past, would he be seen as kind of maybe good publicity for the Spanish police to to home in on him? Yeah, I mean it's difficult to I mean the police obviously can't ignore information if it comes their way. They need to they need to they need to investigate, but there's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, good headlines for the police came out of that of that arrest mm. definitely. And um you know, there's uh, uh, press attendance at, at the hearing yesterday that there, there wouldn't have been for um, you know, uh, other Irish criminals with with maybe less a, a lesser reputation. Mm. I think the court officials yesterday were quite used to seeing at that very small town court, you know, um, photographers rushing down the road after after people coming into the coming into the court. Yeah, bit of a spectacle. So he basically uh, was heard remarking. I think I read from your report that I've taken the rap, and he's the one who's kind of claiming that he's accepted that. It's all his thing. He wants the other defendants to be um, for the charges to be dropped against them. Is that right? And he's he's hoping to do the plea deal. Yeah, I mean, uh, the actual the sound in the court was absolutely terrible. The microphones don't work, so it's very difficult to hear what was being said in court. But outside court, you know, John Gilligan was being yeah. quite was speaking quite loudly and, and and didn't appear to care who was who was listening and and, and openly said that that he six months ago had. Uh, you know, offered to take take the rap and and uh, for for and, and, and extricate the others. Um, I'm not sure if he he was referring to all the charges, but certainly I think you know in relation to the to the um, illegal exploitation of the of the sleeping pills. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, 
my understanding is that is borne out in court documents as well in the actual court files it, it, it's 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 stated in there that he's he's happy to put his hands up to to certain wrongdoing obviously he's looking for a as you say a reduced sentence or or, or to to do no time at all in prison having done the two months mm. on remand and you know weirdly i got an email from his daughter tracy gilligan months ago telling me that he wasn't going to serve a day in prison and the charges were all being dropped against him um now look They'll all say that, won't they? But I mean, I do think that if he can reduce the charges, perhaps to those Zimos, that they probably won't be looked too seriously upon. I know from just a little bit of experience, the Spanish courts take cocaine trafficking more serious in particular than cannabis. Yeah, I mean, the, funny thing, the, the, the odd thing here is that the, 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 of the four charges, um, the, the weapons charge, uh, the cannabis charge, um, the membership of the criminal gang and the and the and the illegal exportation of the drugs, the the, the longest sentence the prosecutor is looking for relates to the um, exportation of the of the Zimos, oh. which is strange. Which I think is even seen as strange by the lawyers. The problem is, it's, I think it's because it's encased within it's it's very much linked to the to the other charge, which is the which is that it's being done within the framework of a membership of an organised uh, uh, gang. So if <laughs> That is taken out of the equation. I think that uh, you know the the prison demand or the prosecutor's prison demand will drop considerably, and I think it could drop to something like six months. Um, so if a deal is put on the table where they're un- only you know they're they're offered a, a six months uh, prison instead of the three years that's currently being offered, well, they may well jump at the jump at the uh, jump at the opportunity. And what you've got to bear in mind as well in Spain is first-time offenders, and I believe I'm right in saying that John Gilligan has no criminal record in Spain. First-time offenders who are sentenced to two years or less in prison automatic, virtually automatically get that, that sentence suspended in Spain, so do not, do not need to do any prison time. If he's done two months already on, demand, on remand, that could mean if he gets a prison sentence of two years and two months, he may, he may end up not going back to prison. Mm. And I'm sure he knows the law inside and out in relation to that. Now, Sharon Oliver, his girlfriend, um, I have a fondness to the phrase, there's a lid for every pot. But uh, John Gilligan, so John Gilligan's found love (laughs) with a a British expat. (laughs) Like, we have to slightly laugh at this. Uh, do you know anything about Sharon Oliver? No, yesterday was the first time I'd I'd seen her. Um very difficult to gauge what's going on there. There was not really much body language. She was talking outside court or in the, in the court corridor um, to other people. There didn't seem to be much interaction between them. Um, again, they they left the court building separately. He left with with mm. uh, Mr. Armstrong, and yeah, I, very hard to pick up on on what's going on on there. But obviously, there must be a a closeness because because uh, he made a submission through his lawyer to, to to get his passport back so that he could drive her back to to the UK for for medical reasons. The the argument given by the lawyer was that she she can't drive, so he had to he, he was the one going to, going to take her. Mm-hmm. And uh, she would be British, so she wouldn't be entitled to healthcare anymore in Spain. Is that right? <laughs> no, I don't know. Which, I mean, if she's been, I don't know if she has a residency here in 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 in, in Spain. Okay. Uh, I, you know, that's opening another can of worms up. But um, I don't know what her status is here, basically. But but yeah, I mean, if she's not listed as resident here, then 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 presumably she will not be uh, available. You know, she won't be able to get healthcare here. 
Mm-hmm. But he's going to step in as the gentleman anyway and drop her home for her operation on her hernia. Um, so you won't know much more until the case is called again next April. Correct. I mean, as far as we understand that um, there's going to continue to be negotiating uh, before next April. Um, I, th- I think, you know, the courts would like to get this case out of the way. Um, save save everyone time and unnecessary effort. Um, but whatever happens in under Spanish law, even if there's uh, a, a plea bargain deal sorted, they will have to come back to court um, to confirm uh, to confirm that agreement's been done. And as I understand it, all the all the all the suspects, all the defendants, will have to be there, minus Darren, who who presumably, if he's not found, will be declared in contempt of court, and the whole process can continue in his absence. Yeah, just explain what happened with him because it it looked initially, as I was reading it, it was sort of him that had been the problem that had got it all stalled. But in actual fact. They hadn't reached their deal either, so but he he didn't attend. Well, no, I think that, that there's a the case would probably have, co- have gone ahead yesterday um, if 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 he'd been there. Um, mm. This discussion of a possible deal was done very quickly in about ten or fifteen minutes um, behind closed doors, just with the lawyers present, not, not any of the of the defendants. Um, you know, with the intention being to proceed to trial afterwards, but but obviously with. With Darren not being there, um, he hasn't yet been declared in contempt of court. Uh, legally, I think the judge decided that legally it couldn't go ahead with without him. So that was the reason mm. why it didn't happen yesterday. That said, it was only scheduled to, to be over one day. Um, the trial was scheduled to last for one day, but they're now rescheduling it for th- three days. So maybe yesterday it would have gone ahead if he'd have been there and then it would have been done over another two days in the future. It's... it's was there any information about where where he is? Um, he's back in in Ireland. Again, his dad didn't seem to be making a, a big secret of it in the court corridors, but um, I think he's hasn't got any money. Uh, that's what was being said, and um, yeah, he needs to be obviously found now. Informed, he, he he must have been aware. He must have been aware that this case was going ahead yesterday. I can't believe his dad didn't sort of say to him, "You're supposed to be in Spain. You're supposed to be in court." You know. Um, so I don't know whether it was a whether it yeah. might have been a tactic to sort of get the whole thing put off to a later date. I don't, I don't know, but um, well, look, his father has been through the courts for thirty years playing the system, and in particular with the civil courts here, he kicked along that criminal assets bureau case for I think seventeen years, costing the the state up to twenty million. Um, and you know he took every which way he could to delay and put that case off. So I think he probably knows what he's doing. Uh, Not obviously accusing John Gilligan of uh, orchestrating that his son wasn't there. So as the case would be uh, deferred, but nonetheless, the Gilligan family have certainly, they know their way around a courtroom. Um, So I look forward to hearing if uh, and when it comes up next. And in particular, if the courts in Spain do wipe that smile off his face, because uh, that smug grin is just an all too familiar look from John Gilligan. Um, So, Jared Cousins, thank you very much. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. 
If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take the Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume the Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume the Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.